the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Being baptized was for Gentiles. But what John the Baptist did is he baptized everybody. People who knew John's ministry oftentimes missed the point of John's ministry, which was to point to Jesus as the coming Messiah. And that's our purpose as well. Have you remembered that? To point to Jesus as the coming Messiah. Welcome to another edition of Study Verse by Verse. That was Pastor Leighton Sheely. He's our teacher as he takes us through an intense study of the book of John. I'm Mike Trout, and I'm so glad that you've joined us uh, on this Wednesday. If you've missed any of the past broadcasts, you'll find them on our website at highlands.us. That's highlands.us. And if you have a question that you'd like to ask Pastor Layton, you can share that as well on the website. I'll talk more about it at the end of the broadcast. Here's our teacher. So Jesus ends his tribute to John with a rebuke of the Jewish leaders. He said they were willing to rejoice only for a while in his light. As long as his preaching was pleasant, then they wanted to listen to him. They'd, they'd even gotten to the middle of the wilderness to hear what John the Baptist had to say. But when he got confrontational, then he wasn't quite so popular. And many people listen to God's truth like that. They enjoy a sermon as a performance. Afterwards, they'll evaluate. Well, the pastor was a little off today. Didn't quite deliver the jokes quite as well as he should have. And you know, William Barclay wrote a famous preacher tells how after he'd preached a somber sermon on judgment, he was greeted with a comment, that sermon was sure cute. You know, God's truth is not something that is pleasant and entertaining. Sometimes it's very confrontational, and we need to receive it with all humility and consideration. And then Jesus says why he's talking, and he's referring to John's witness. He says, I say these things so that you might be saved. He's trying to get his hearers to pay attention to what John the Baptist was saying. Because if they would listen to John the Baptist, then John, they would hear John the Baptist saying, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. And that would set them out on the path that leads to salvation. And Jesus wanted them to be saved. That had happened. That had happened to at least two of the apostles. Two of the disciples, John and Andrew, were both followers of John the Baptist and were there when John the Baptist pointed at Jesus and said, Behold the Lamb of God. And after that, they followed Jesus. John the Baptist was a, a witness to Jesus being the Lamb of God. Now, after mentioning the witness of John the Baptist, Jesus then declares he has an even more compelling witness, the witness of his miraculous works. Verse 36 but the testimony that I have is greater than that of John. For the works that the Father has given me to accomplish, the very works that I am doing, bear witness about me that the Father has sent me. What am I doing proves I am who I am. Now, John the Baptist was described by Jesus as the greatest man born of women. He was the greatest man in the history of the world. He was an incredible, godly believer. And yet, the Scriptures also tell us that at least in one point of his life, he had a crisis of faith in Jesus Christ. He was in prison, and he called a couple of his disciples, and they, he said to them, I want you to go and ask Jesus a question. I want you to say, ask Jesus, 
Are you the one? Or should we be looking for someone else? He had a crisis of faith. So the disciples did as they had been bid. They went to Jesus. They asked him the question. Jesus did not answer their question. He just had him stand there and watch. And he went about doing what Jesus did. And we don't know how long they watched, but it might have been for quite some time, a few hours. And then Jesus turned to the disciples of John and he said, Go back and tell John what you see. The blind see. The lame walk. Lepers are cleansed. The deaf hear. Dead are raised to life. And the poor have the good news preached to them. These were all prophecies concerning the work of the Messiah. What Jesus says, go back and tell John what you have seen. Because the works prove that I am who I claim to be. Verse 37. And the Father who has sent me has himself borne witness about me. So in addition to the witness of John the Baptist and the witness of his miraculous works, Jesus also proposes the witness of the Father. Now there is a connection between the witness of the works and the witness of the Father. You remember what Nicodemus said in chapter 3? He said, Rabbi, we know you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the miraculous signs you are doing if God were not with him. So that's the foundation for understanding this argument from Jesus. And the Father who has sent me has himself borne witness about me. If I am doing miraculous works by God, then God is endorsing me and endorsing my ministry. God is my witness. His voice you've never heard, his form you've never seen, and you do not have his word abiding in you, for you do not believe the one whom he has sent. So Jesus here declares, if a person does not believe the one whom has sent him, that is God the Father, then that person will never see, hear, or know God. Later in this gospel, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. You know, some people say, you've heard it said, I'll believe it when I see it. But other people know that in spiritual matters, you will see it when you believe it. You search the Scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life, and it is they that bear witness about me. And yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. To the Jewish people, the Scriptures were everything. One of the Jewish commentaries proclaimed, He who has acquired the words of the law has acquired eternal life. This is the book of the commandments of God and the law that endureth forever. All they that hold it fast are appointed to life. But such as leave it shall die. So the Jewish people believed that just knowing the words was eternal life. But these people were the most brilliant biblical scholars in history. They didn't even have to translate from one language to another. It was in their, their own language. God had given this people the, His oracles in their own language. And yet the best Bible students in the history of the world rejected Jesus. Now, how could this happen? Well, it happened because they read Scripture the wrong way. They read it with a closed mind. They read it not to search for God and to search for what God had to say to them, but to find arguments in it that would support their positions, their theology, their agenda, and their ideas about them. They didn't really love God. They loved their ideas about God. People still do that today. 
I can't believe any good and loving God would, and then they give some excuse. They didn't learn their theology from Scripture. They chose to know Scripture so that they could find something to justify their theology, a theology that they themselves had manufactured. The Bible cannot be understood apart from the Holy Spirit's illumination. That means that when we come to open our Bibles and read it, we should make it a point every time we do to say, God, Holy Spirit, please be my teacher. Please unveil to me the treasure that you have hidden in your word. Pastor John MacArthur wrote, The Jews' zeal for Scripture was commendable, but because they were unwilling to come to Jesus, who is the sole source of eternal life, it did not result in salvation. Clinging to their superficial system of self-righteousness by works, in their stubborn unbelief they became ignorant of God's righteousness and tried to establish their own. But self-righteousness cannot save anyone, since all our righteous deeds are like filthy rags. Isaiah 64. And because whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at one point has become guilty of it all. James chapter 2. Thus, salvation comes not from having a righteousness of one's own derived somewhat from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith. You know, scriptures describe Abraham as a righteous man, but it also contains several accounts of unrighteous behavior. So how then could Scripture consider him a righteous man? Well, the answer is found. Romans 4.3, which is quoting Genesis 15.6, says, For the Scriptures tell us, Abraham believed God, and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. Abraham was not counted righteous because he was righteous, but because he believed God. But from the very beginning, God had promised to provide a Savior through the seed of a woman, Genesis chapter 3, to all who would believe and receive. There's only one way to really understand the Scriptures, and that is that they point to Jesus Christ. The function of the Scriptures is not to give life, but to point us to the one who can give us life. Knowing the Scriptures will not get you into heaven. You know who knows the Scriptures really well? Satan. In two of the three temptations, he used, or more precisely misused, Scripture in an effort to tempt Jesus Christ. When we get before God on Judgment Day, it's not going to be what we know that gets us into heaven. It's going to be who we know and who knows us. Jesus Christ, His only begotten Son, our Savior and Lord. We need to come to Jesus to receive salvation. Amen? Jesus said, you refuse to come to me. It stresses an activity of the will. It's not like, unlike uh, Luke chapter 13 where Jesus said, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those who sent to you, how often I have longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under his wings, but you were not willing. I wanted to save you, but you were unwilling. Verse 41, I do not receive glory from people, but I know that you do not have the love of God within you. What was he saying? Jesus was saying, hey, I'm not here for glory from you. I'm not here to win an argument with you. I'm not here to get your approval. I'm not here for your applause. 
I'm here because I love you and I want to save you. These men that he was talking to, they had religion. But they didn't have the love of God. They'd never experienced the love of God. They'd never experienced the grace of God. And so they had none to share with others. They had their list of do's and don'ts. Their religiosity. Religious people who do not know the love of God are dangerous people. There is a profound thought that you can dwell on and ask yourself, do I have the discernment to know who's who and who loves what? This is Study Verse by Verse, and our teacher is Pastor Leighton Sheely. He's taking us through the book of John, and we will pick up from this point on the Thursday broadcast. I do hope you can join us and pass along to your friends the fact that we're on the air and deep into this study in John. I mentioned if you have a question to ask Pastor Layton, you can do that by going to our website. Just click on the contact link there on the homepage. The website is highlands.us. That's highlands.us. I'm Mike Trout. Have a blessed rest of your day and come back tomorrow when we'll once again open the Word of God and study verse by verse. This program is sponsored by Church of the Highlands in San Bruno.